AI Unleashed, crafting podcast magic with ChatGPT's tagline talents, today on HFMA's Voices in Healthcare Finance podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Voices in Healthcare Finance podcast, your source for in-depth discussions on the financial intricacies of the ever-evolving healthcare industry. I'm your host, Erica Grotto, and today we're about to embark on a fascinating journey that showcases the incredible potential of artificial intelligence in the healthcare finance sector. All right, I admit it. I didn't write that tagline or that introduction. I asked ChatGPT to do it for me. It didn't do a bad job, all things considered, although I can't believe I just recorded myself saying the words crafting podcast magic. But it's all relevant because today's episode is really about the uses and limitations of AI in healthcare. That discussion is coming up after we check in with Nick and Sean on the latest healthcare finance news. We'll be back in a moment. Hey everybody, this is Nick Hutt from HFMA's content team, along with Sean Stagg from our crew of policy experts. We're discussing the latest developments in a topic we've revisited periodically in the couple of years that we've been doing beyond the news, and that's the No Surprises Act. To sum it all up, the arbitration portal for settling out-of-network payment disputes between providers and health plans under No Surprises remains, euphemistically speaking, a work in progress. Wouldn't you say, Sean? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Clean up, clean up, right? Yeah. <laughs> clean up by all four. One of a couple of issues we want to discuss is listeners may be familiar with the concept of the qualifying payment amount, but if you're not, it's the median in-network payment rate for a service in a given market. And it's used to set both patient payment responsibility for many out-of-network services under no surprises and as a benchmark to help settle these arbitration disputes between providers and plans. A court in the last month said the methodology that Health and Human Services, Labor and Treasury, those three federal departments put out for health plans to use in computing their qualifying payment amounts was not kosher. It did not jive with the original legislation. And quite honestly, the methodology tipped the scales toward insurers in ways Congress probably did not intend. But there's an issue now with the implementation of this court decision in that insurers do not have to immediately comply with the new methodology as dictated by the ruling. HHS and the other two departments are, for all intents and purposes, giving insurers at least until May of next year, possibly even until November of next year, 2024, to begin calculating their QPAs using the new methodology. Technically, they're supposed to do so immediately, but they will not be penalized if they fail to do so. So insurers are getting a break for now, aren't they? We're hearing from our members, many of our members, that the reimbursement that they are seeing for a great deal of their out-of-network services from patients that they treat coming through the ED are below Medicare rates, which are the bare-bone minimums rates that don't even cover costs anymore, given, of course, as we all know, inflation and labor increases. So, So hospitals are really hurting from this perfluckle, whatever you want to call it in the calculation of these QPAs being way too low. Yeah, and that's great feedback from members. Thanks for passing that along. It goes to show why the current situation probably isn't sustainable. Right. Um, Now, there's yet another issue that has to be sorted out regarding the arbitration portal. Uh, Sean, what can you tell us about that? 
there's a letter currently out there, uh, a proposal, the federal independent dispute resolution process fees proposed rule that came out in the federal registry. It's CMS 9890. Comments are due just in a week, really, very quickly. Comments are due October 26th, and it's in relationship to those fees for the independent dispute resolution process, which, of course, is a byproduct of the QPA. And in that proposal, you know, the barrier that was posed by the excessive fees that grew considerably higher after the tri-agencies significantly increased IDR entity fees for single determinations from $200 to $500 up to $200 to $700 and $268 up through $938 for batch determinations back in October of 2022 in their guidance. And then they proposed an administrative fee hike from $50 all the way up to $350. So that increase in fees really made it unattainable for many hospitals and many physician groups to file IDRs because it was more costly to file them for these unfair QPAs that were being issued than just accept the payment as it was. So lots going on there with the comment letters, but HFMA plans to comment on those rate hikes with CMS. And we're asking that CMS require health plans to recalculate any cost sharing based on the QPA calculated in accordance with the statute, like we were just talking about, and then automatically pay it to providers, anything underpaid, without billing the patients for all cost sharing that was determined using that incorrect QPA calculation based on that July 21st guidance. And then allow any IDR decisions that was based on an artificially depressed QPA as a result of the July 2021 guidance to be revisited once accurately calculated by those QPAs, once those recalculated QPAs are available. And then we're asking that the CMS instruct the IDR entities to underweight the QPA in IDR entity decision-making and more heavily weight all the factors that should go into a QPA, not just the median rate. And those factors are submitted by providers when considering payment disputes for out-of-network services. So we're asking them to follow the original statute and recalculate those rules or those QPAs appropriately and lower those fees back to where it's more accessible for providers and provider groups to file IDRs when, you know, when it's a, an egregious underpayment, if that makes sense, Nick. Yeah, it does. No, thanks for, for breaking that down. So there's a lot to sift through. It'll definitely be interesting to see how it shakes out and if the departments react to the type of feedback that HFMA and, and other stakeholders will be submitting here over the next week or so. Yeah, and I, I know we joked about cleanup on aisle four, but this really is a big cleanup. And it's very disheartening because, in my opinion, No Surprise Act really was set to protect patients, unlike any transparency rule that had came out before. So HFMA and AHA and most of our member hospitals were very excited about NSA and what it was going to mean to patients, but it has just taken a back turn. And this has really downplayed all the good that NSA has done for the healthcare market by this mismanagement of QPAs on behalf of the plans and on the behalf of CMS, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, that's that's very valuable perspective to consider. On top of everything else, there's just a huge logjam in the arbitration portal. It was calculated to be about 225,000 cases 
back during the spring. And that number undoubtedly has gone up substantially. We could talk about the issues with No Surprises Act uh, and, and arbitration probably for the entire episode, but I, maybe we'll leave it at that. Uh, Sean, as always, thank you for the perspective and uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right. Thank you, Nick. We'll be back in a moment. Writing the introduction for today's podcast was the first thing I ever asked ChatGPT to do, and a few things struck me right away. One was that it did a fairly good job capturing the spirit of what I wanted to say. Another was that it used a lot more words and different words than I would. I also had to be very, very specific in my query to get usable results. What that tells me is, for now anyway, human touches are essential when using these types of tools. And that's what today's interview is about. I recently had the opportunity to speak with Arun Shastri, the global AI practice lead at ZS Associates, about how to balance technology with human interaction. If you think about the role of AI, one could imagine that if you are asking the same questions that you did and you have always asked, and nothing in the data has really changed, the role that AI plays is really to automate things. I was doing something and now a machine's doing it. I'm automating it. If you add new data, but it's the same question you're asking, perhaps you're augmenting it with some of this new data. Maybe you have social feeds or you are capturing customer surveys in some way, and now you're appending that to quality of care. On the other side though, if the data has not changed, but you're asking different questions altogether, I think then you have to disrupt human decision-making. So without humans in the loop, you are otherwise relegated perhaps to automating things. And the scope of what it is that you can automate without the human in the loop is fairly narrow, especially if you don't have a lot of belief that these models can be automated without any sort of a human touch and run forever. And that's why keeping humans in the loop becomes really important if you want to start to extend the impact. Don't get me wrong, automating things can still get you, you know, lots of productivity gain, lots of efficiency gain, but the real value is going to come if you really truly disrupt and transform organizations, and that requires more human touch. There are several situations where maybe the first level of certain types of customer queries could actually be handled by an intelligent machine so that you don't overburden your system. So hypothetically, I was given this uh, prescription, should I take it before the meal or after the meal? Maybe a question that you don't need a human involvement. But if somebody has taken the medicine for a week, whatever be the medicine, and they're not feeling better or they have some side effects, I don't know whether you want an entirely machine to resolve that situation, even if it plays a role in a triage sort of a manner. So I think you want to get that balance quite right. By the way, I think there is a downside to this too, because one could imagine that I use more powerful generative AI techniques to come up with a response to engage you to demonstrate why you know, I'm deserving or my patient is deserving of a certain procedure. And plans on the other end could also use a generative AI technique to write back to you uh, to say, 
by looking at all the data as to a robust response as to why it may not make sense. So we could actually have a machine response sent and a machine respond to that response and send back and say, well, I denied for the following reason. So we just have to be careful. I'm just picturing now, you know, two machines fighting with each other over a, a denial. That's not going to be more efficient for anyone. So that's correct. And it's also going to make the patient very upset. That's correct. So you published a piece a few months back in June, and you, you know, similarly to what you've been saying, that you you say in so many words, you can't just kind of throw AI at a problem and walk away. You have to be continuously evolving your strategy. One has to think of this AI as a longer road. It's not like I identify a problem, I solve the problem, I'm done. I have to think about, hey, I have identified this problem. I find some ready solution or an immediate solution to it. Then I have to think about how I evolve the solution and then even some more and then some more and so on. And so this evolution of that requires a human touch. So I'll give you a very simple example. Let's say you go and you collect every one of the patients that has come into your system. You collect information on their satisfaction of their treatment and they stay at your hospital. Well, you know, what would we typically do? We took all these open-ended responses, put it up somewhere, and then somebody poured through them. You know, what did they like? Was, it, was there something in the, the way we triaged them? Was the admission process okay? Were they, you know, the consent forms and everything else? Was the signage of all of that? Did it all work well? Were they happy with post-surgery? Did they, we could find, we, we may have some hypotheses as to what drives satisfaction. And we could look for that in these open-ended responses. The first step in a generative AI tool, for example, may just simply be that I take all these open-ended responses and I can just ask questions, voila, I get an answer. Because that's the power of these large language models. Well, how about if I don't just ask the question and get an answer, can I actually engage with it to think of what are the things that are the most important that it finds in the data? So I'm asking it to generate the hypothesis and then get the answer. That might be the second stage. But you see, that requires a certain level of human involvement. Now you can push that even more. And I have perhaps a chatbot. Maybe Erica was in the hospital for an outpatient procedure. Maybe the nature of questions I ask her is very different than somebody else who was in the hospital for three days on an emergency appendectomy, for example. And so the nature of the questions I might ask Erica may be very different than the nature of questions that I might ask. And you can actually customize the survey based on the response. This kind of a journey can't happen if you called it a victory in stage one and said, you know what? I have a better way of assimilating this information, a better way of analyzing it. This kind of a journey only can happen if humans are involved constantly thinking about how to make it better uh, and how to transform the problem in some meaningful way. Voices in Healthcare Finance is a production of the Healthcare Financial Management Association and written and hosted by me, Erica Grotto. Additional writing and reporting are by Nick Hutt, Sean Stack, and the HFMA editorial team. Sound editing is by Linda Chandler. Brad Dennison is the director of content. Our president and CEO is Ann Jordan. Okay, typing in chat GPT, give me a good 
podcast Easter egg for after the credits. Okay, here's what ChatGPT said. After the credits, we have a special treat for our most dedicated listeners. If you've made it this far, we'd like to share a little known fact about our show. Did you know that every episode contains a hidden word or phrase that is randomly <laughs> Did you know that every episode contains a hidden word or phrase that is randomly inserted into the conversation? It's our way of keeping things interesting and engaging for our eagle-eared listeners. Do eagles have good ears? <laughs>